you know, if you, if you get, if you get good at something, um, and then you set aside time to do that, it's just like training for a bike race, right? You learn how to train. So you say, okay, what's going to make me most effective. I got my training schedule right here on the wall next to me. And then the second thing you do is you dedicate time to it. So when I was racing, I get up at five in the morning and I'd hop on my trainer for an hour in the dark in my basement, you know, almost every day. Um, when I, when I stopped racing and I decided I wanted to build, you know, the next level income company, I get up at five and I'd spend 69. A great book can totally challenge your conventional thinking and change your life for good. However, some of us just don't have the luxury of time of sitting down to read a book. But there are some instances in which we do have dead time. And these are perfect times to learn. So we can learn while driving instead of jamming to the same music on the radio. Or maybe at the gym. Well, now you can. Dwelling has partnered with Amazon's Audible to give you, the Dwell listeners, a free book. Yes, a free book. So all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash dwelling and download your free book. This will also be in the show notes. You can click on the link. And if you don't have a book in mind and you say, Ola, I don't actually know where to start with. Well, awesome, because I can tell you one to start with today. It's a quintessential classic. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So download Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that would basically just take your mind on a different spin. Of course, I'm always open to hear um, from our Dwell listeners. So email me at ola at dwelling.com. And then feel free to also give us a, a rating and review. This really helps us to rank better in iTunes. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on The Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got the amazing, incredible Chris Larson with us today. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? Ola, I'm great. Nice to be here with you today. Yeah, awesome. No, Chris, you've got a remarkable story. I cannot wait to dig in with you today. Um, but why don't we just start with kind of telling us who you are, um, what you've been doing, and kind of what you're doing lately. Yeah, so uh, we, we can go back pretty far when it comes to real estate. Um, I bought my first property when I was 21 years old and built up a single family portfolio that, you know, as of seven years ago, started to transition in the multifamily space. Um, you know, kind of along the way, I was in college when I was doing that. You know, you and I were talking before the show, um, went to Virginia Tech and my big passion at the time was racing bicycles. So my, my whole goal, I was in the engineering program at Virginia Tech. My whole goal was to become a professional cyclist, not a professional engineer. And th on that path, my best friend, who was also my roommate, my training partner, he passed away between my freshman and sophomore years of college. And that was, I, I talk about this in my book. Um, it was a real period in my life that caused me to step back and reflect on, on what was important. And even though I, I continued to race another year, it was a real therapy for me to kind of pour my heart and soul into the sport. But I realized after a year of racing, um, full force and having a lot of success, it didn't make me happy. And I'll never forget the point. I, I won this race that was actually my friend Chris Strader's memorial race. So it was a little bit, of, a little bit more than a year after he passed away in September uh, around Labor Day. And I won the race. And I came across the line and I had my hands up and I felt nothing. I mean, I wasn't sad. I wasn't happy. I just felt hollow. And a week later I was, I was in a race and I just, I just quit. Um, I pulled over on the side of the road. My mom was there and she's like, you don't quit races. And I was like, yeah, like I'm done. And she didn't realize that I was saying I'm done like with racing. So I went back to school. 
I had started investing in the stock market, Ola. So I was, um, I was day trading. I was, I was doing really well, but day trading is very, very cyclical and, and volatile at times. And I was looking at other investment options and I was reading just book after book. I read about 250 books on investing, finance, real estate, stocks, all this stuff. Um, ended up getting a, an MBA in portfolio management and finance. And along the way, I bought my first investment property at age 21. And what I liked about real estate is that there was some control that you had over it and you had leverage. And it was something that was very, very easy for me to understand, also very stable. So that was the direction I decided to go. Um, so I became... Uh, a real estate investor at 21. I didn't have a lot of money. My first property, I put less than $3,000 down, had my mom co-sign on the loan. And I was like, I, I need to make some money. So I started looking at careers that would, would give me capital to invest. And I became a medical device uh, sales professional. So I started along that path. Um, by the time I, I was 30, I was accredited and I was looking at different investments. Um, and just a few years after that started to invest in the multifamily space. So what we've done um, after, after syndicating deals since 2016, um, I found a next level income two years ago because there were so many people that I came in touch with and they wanted to know like how I did it. Like, how do you get to that point to become an investor? How do you get to the point to become financially independent? So we found a next level income two years ago uh, with the intent of helping investors become financially independent through both education and investment opportunities. Um, we had our book published earlier this year. And if you're listening and you want to learn a little bit more about my background or you know the strategy that we use, which I know is very similar to yours, Ola, you can get our book at our website, nextlevelincome.com and just go to the book link. I'm happy to send your listeners a free copy. I oh, really, really appreciate that, Chris. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, there's a lot going in there. <laughs> I was just taking notes as you were talking. So yeah, so sorry to hear about you know, your losses. And yeah, I, I can you know, relate. Um, lost my mom last year. So yeah, definitely can relate to that. Um, one thing I was going to ask you. Yeah. One thing I was going to ask you also is, so you started at 21 years old, right? There are some folks who listen to this show who are in their 20s, right? And they're thinking, oh my goodness, I want to start <laughs> in my 20s. I mean, if I could, if I started in my 20s, I know exactly where I would be. Um, so, um, or my early 20s, should I say, I started in my late 20s. But yeah, so what would you say to that you look, You look like you're still, you look good, man. You look like you're still in your 20s. So. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would you say to that person, you know, thinking, I want to start in my 20s. What can they do? How can they get started? That's a great question. And, you know, first off, I'd say, don't, I did, don't go do it all yourself. I'd say the best thing that you can do is find somebody that has achieved the success or the results that you want and reach out to that person. You know, find a mentor, find somebody that can help you develop that path that's more efficient. And I mean, I personally, I have, I've had coaches, I've gone to different trainings and programs. Um, I spent a significant amount of money every year for, for a long time on that. And even, it's funny, even the worst, even the worst things that I've been to, the worst events I've been to, I've always got, gotten something out. Actually, my first connection in the multifamily space came from probably what I would call the worst investment I made in a, in a training program. Um, it wasn't even real estate related, uh, but I look back and I'm like, I would not do that again. And I thought, well, wait a minute, actually, I, I may have not been invested in multifamily had I not done that. So yeah, if you're, if you're young and you're listening and you're like, man, I'd, you know, I, I'd like to get started, you know, find somebody who's done what you, what you, what you want to do. Um, 
you know, reach out to them. And then the second thing I would do is look in the mirror and, and ask yourself what you really enjoy. So personally, my stepfather, I grew up working with him. He's a contractor. I've shoveled shingles. I've swung a hammer. I've laid wood flooring. I've dug ditches. I've done landscaping. I mean, it, it's, it's good, honest work. But after doing that for many years as a teenager for no compensation, I know, I know that at this point in my life, I'd rather make some money and pay somebody else to do that who's better at it than I am. So, you know, I know I have investors that really enjoy working on their own properties. So look in the mirror and ask yourself, if you enjoy talking to investors, then you know, maybe, maybe putting together syndications is a good fit. If you enjoy fixing up homes, then maybe doing fix and flips is a good fit. Um, so find somebody that's doing what you want to do and look in the mirror, ask yourself what you're good at and what you enjoy. And then, and then, you know, minute two together, don't try to fit a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, you definitely appreciate that. You definitely said something I didn't want to just gloss over. You read 250 books. <laughs> wow. I mean, how do you do that? Um, I'm an avid reader. I've got books yeah. everywhere. You know, I read a lot, a ton. Um, I wanted to sign up for a, 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 fast, a fast reading or what is it? Fast reading? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speed reading, yeah. yeah. Speed reading, sorry, sorry. Speed reading, yeah. right? Tony Robinson talks about that a lot. I mean, how do you read 250 books? Yep. Yeah, make make the first book you read on speed reading, and that's actually one of the first books I read. Um, became more efficient, so I, I doubled my reading speed. And then, you know, really, it's it's a question of discipline, right? And 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 choices. So, you know, if you if you get if you get good at something, um, and then you set aside time to do that, it's just like training for a bike race, right? You learn how to train. So you say, okay, what's going to make me most effective? I got my training schedule right here on the wall next to me. And then the second thing you do is you dedicate time to it. So when I was racing. I get up at five in the morning and I'd hop on my trainer for an hour in the dark in my basement, you know, almost every day. Um, when I, when I stopped racing and I decided I wanted to build, you know, the next level income company, I get up at five and I'd spend 60, 90 minutes every day working on that. Um, same thing. You want to read 250 books, read, get, do a speed reading course, get up and read for, you know, I'd say 30 to 90 minutes every day. And you can, if, if you're efficient, you can easily read a book a week if you dedicate that time and do that. Or if you don't like to read, if you travel a lot, um, download audiobooks and then work on increasing the speed that you listen to them till you can get to the point where it's one and a half or maybe two X of speed. I find about one and a half is a sweet spot for me because I can, I can do a workout or I can drive in the car and still process the information at two X. I can have to kind of like sit in a chair and focus a hundred percent. Um, but maybe other people can, can do better than I do with that. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, you said something as well. That's just amazing information. I have to go get a speed reading book or maybe take that course I've been, I've, I've got on my book. But you said something really important that I want to really touch on, right? Um, in our world of like superficiality and we're not granular mm -hmm. a lot, right? Especially our generation millennials, right? Social media and that kind of, um, you, you mentioned that you woke up at 5 a.m. And I'm reading a book um, oh yes, this is not really showing, is it? But it's basically called the Five AM Club, Club, yeah, right. Um, oh, so you've read that book, obviously. <laughs> so how has that? I haven't read it, but I know it. Yeah, but you know it. Okay, okay. How has that helped you, though? Kind of getting up before daybreak and you know practicing and you know because I feel like discipline and self confidence are just kind of those two things you need as well for success. What has that? How has that helped you? I just want to touch on that. Yeah, it's, it's helped a tremendous amount. I mean, I was doing it kind of out of necessity because, you know, working in the medical device industry, you typically have to be in the hospital um, sometimes 
as early as 6 a.m. So, you know, if you're, if you got to be in the hospital, say, say seven or seven 30, you know, getting up at five and riding for an hour, you know, on my trainer, that was, that was a necessity just to be able to consistently get in some hours and train and be able to be able to perform. Um, after, after I quit, I read a book, um, and actually you can get it for free. Craig Ballantyne, who was one of our, actually our first podcast guest on our podcast, the next level income show. Um, he talks about the perfect day formula and I would, I would encourage all your listeners to go and, and check that out. If you, I, I don't know the website off the top of my head, but I can get it to you. Um, it may even be like perfectdayformula.com, but it's Craig Ballantyne. Um, he was on our first podcast, um, on our website and there's a link on that book on there, but he talks about really organizing your week. And here's the cool thing, Ola, he doesn't say, Hey, organize, um, the time that you're going to go and, and read the books or the time you're going to train or do that. He says, the first thing you do is you schedule family time or personal time. And that was really powerful for me. And it, it was also empowering because you say, okay, I'm going to have a date night with my, my wife um, or you know, your significant other, whoever that might be. I'm going to take my children to um, practice, you know, on these nights, we have a dedicated family night every Friday. If somebody says, Hey, do you want to hang out? We say, sorry, we already have plans. Our plans are we have pizza with the family and we usually watch a movie every once in a while we'll go out, but we usually are at home and do that. And those are really sacred, important times. And then the second thing he suggests is dedicate time each day for the most important thing that you do. And for some people, that may be training for an event. For other people, that may be working on or starting a business. Um, for other people, it may be self-enrichment or self-improvement through education or reading. And I think that, you know, really, if you combine uh, a, time, a time formula where you set aside that time with an effective strategy to do what you're doing, whether it's training or education, um, that's, that's a formula for success. And I think everybody can, can pull that time out of their schedule. You know, sometimes you have to do things like I did. I quit, like I, I torn, turned cable off and stopped watching the news. I stopped reading, you know, kind of toxic websites and social media. Um, I think everybody could probably clean an hour up out of their day and find something for what's really, really important in your life. Yeah, I mean, I love this. You're a multifamily guy, but I, I think it's really important to understand how people become really exceptional at what they do and really good at what they do. So I don't, I mean, yeah, we can talk about technicals all day long, but really how do you do these things is what I'm really curious about. So you have an MBA in finance, um, you've read a ton of books, so you have a lot of intel, a lot of knowledge, you were day trading, but now you're into multifamily real estate. How, how did that happen? I mean, you know all this other information. Why did you choose uh, multifamily investing? I'm curious. Yeah, well, you know, you know the reasons, all like, as you do it. Um, and, and, <laughs> I this, do. This is, and this is why I call it the holy grail in my book. So, you know, when I, when I was, you're day trading. And, and you know, I'll, I'll be very clear. There are ways to earn higher returns than you get a multifamily. Like without a doubt, you can get, you know, 20%, 50%, 100% returns. But typically, if you do that, it's either really, it's either really active business, you're building your own business, or it's risky in a lot of these, these different investments. So for me, you know, going through an MBA, learning about different things, I learned about things like the sharp ratio that I talk in my talk about it in my book. And what the sharp ratio is, it's a measure of risk adjusted return. So 
for, for those that are listening, if you're like, well, I don't have an MBA in finance. How do I understand this? It's just basically a measure of volatility. So if somebody said to you, you know, there's a, a 50% chance that you can get a 20% return, but you might get 40, you might get, um, you know, negative, you know, uh, negative number, you know, and you look at that and you say, okay, you know, do I want that high, um, high chance of return or do I want something more predictable in something like multifamily that has a lower return, you have a narrower band. So you might say, well, you might get a 5% return. You might get a 20% return, but it's going to be more predictable. And as I researched different investment options, the other thing I learned was the more predictable the return, not only is it safer, but your total returns over the, over time tend to become higher because if you think about it, if you lose 50% of your money in a stock market drop, you have to make 100% back to get back to zero. So when the stock market dropped 30% this year and rebounded 40%, you're just right almost back to even. And people don't always think about that. So you know, if you, if you get into investment, it's very volatile and you lose a large amount. Um, you have to make make up some significant returns over time if, if you catch it on the wrong side. So for me, I call multifamily the holy grail because I stole that term from Ray Dalio, who is, you know, by, by a lot of accounts and a lot of measures, more successful than Warren Buffett. He manages Bridgewater Capital, biggest hedge fund in the world. And he says, if you can increase risk, I'm sorry, increase return and decrease risk, that's the holy grail of investing. And what I found was if you blend multifamily um, I say, you know, real estate, but specifically multifamily real estate has a lot of these attributes into your portfolio. You get increased return and decreased risks. And so for me, you know, when I learned that along with the cash flow aspects, the appreciation, and then the, really the tax benefits on the back end, all things I, I dive really deep into in my book. I know you have a very um, deep understanding of all these things, Ola. It's, it's a no brainer for me, but it took me, a, it took me a couple of years to get to that point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you, you have kind of a, a different um, perspective when you're looking at multifamily deals here in Houston, Texas and the Texas market. There's still a, you know, a big disparity between, you know, I'm talking, you know, July 2020, right? Um, for the record, there's a big disparity between what sellers are asking for and what we buyers are looking to pay. Um, so when you're yeah. looking at these deals, what are the metrics that you're looking for and how are you evaluating this, this, this investments? Yeah, we're seeing the same thing up here in the, you know, in the Carolinas. And um, actually, I've, my, my first property that I was uh, a limited partner and a passive investor in was in Houston. So I know that, I know that market um, pretty well. I've been down there and checked out some different things. We're seeing the same thing, Ola. You know, we're seeing that sellers say, hey, my, my property's worth what it was back before COVID. And we're saying, well, that's not, that's not really the case. And there's, there's a gap between what we're willing to pay for these properties and what sellers are willing to, to let go. Um, so we're, we're sticking to the fundamentals. I mean, our, our model is we like to invest in large and growing cities that have a nice diverse economic base like Houston. Um, that's not one of our target markets currently, but it's a market that fits the model very well. So you have, you have a city that's large, um, it's growing faster than the national average. You have oil and gas, you have medical, you have universities down there, you have other industries that have come in over the last decade. Um, cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, Raleigh, uh, Greenville, South Carolina, Jacksonville, Florida, you know, these all fit, fit the same profile of those. Um, we are targeting properties that are uh, B to A, 
So we like, we like value add deals still, um, maybe a little bit lighter on the value add side. Uh, we're looking for properties that, that are stable, uh, during, you know, kind of, kind of tough economic periods. So, I mean, anybody can go and pull up articles and see that multifamily, you know, if you go back to the last recession and even right now, it's performing as well as any asset class, maybe industrial is doing a little bit better right now, just because of the uptick in, you know, home, home deliveries and that sort of thing as people do this. But, you know, I was talking to an investor yesterday and he, he was articulating the reasons that he wanted to invest. And, you know, what he said, and I think this, this really, you know, boils it down to one sentence, people always need a place to live. And right now, you know, you struggle, you lose your job or you, you know, maybe you're working less hours. You still need a place to live. Um, if you've had to dip into savings, you might have to wait to buy a house. I think people that can buy a house, they either have or they are buying one right now. So even though it's going to be a, a challenging year, um, it's probably not going to be the best year in the last decade for multifamily. I think the fundamentals, not only are they going to persist, but they may even be stronger over the next few years to make up for some of the, the pullback we've had this year. Awesome. Well, yeah, before we kind of, you know, talk about your book and jump into that, I just kind of wanted to go with a case study, um, you know, maybe a deal yeah. that you're a passive investor in, or maybe one of your deals, a multifamily deal. Just kind of give us a case study. Um, how did you guys find it? How did you fund it? How is it doing? Or if you exited the deal already? Yeah. So um, let's talk about, let's talk about a deal we did last year. So this was a deal in the research triangle of uh, North Carolina. So Raleigh, Raleigh market in North Carolina. We started targeting deals, like I said, that were a little bit newer. So this property was built in 2003, um, 272 unit deal, almost $50 million um, deal. And we started targeting these markets because we wanted, we wanted properties that were a little bit higher cash flow. Um, this property requires about $5,000 per unit to bring it up to market. So rents in that property were about $1,000. Some market rents in that property were about $1,250 a month. So a nice, you know, gap between market rents and where we were coming in. Um, so I'll give you some, some positives and negatives. So uh, I'll start with the positives. So this year, collections in that property have averaged um, over 96%. So about 98%. Um, so even during COVID. Um, the challenge has been with the value add side, we've, we've gone in, we've been improving a lot of those units. And it's been challenging during uh, Q2 specifically. So, you know, we're talking in July of 2020, but you know, over Q2, you know, some of those units that were that we were in there um, turning over, it was hard to get them re-rented quickly because people just weren't coming and touring their properties. So, you know, the, the plus on that property is our plan is working very well. You know, we're we are rehabbing the the units on target or even faster. Collections are high, but because of COVID, it's kind of slowed down our ability um, to bring those in. So occupancy has slowed down a little bit. Um, you know, it's dropped a little bit from what we, what we would prefer, um, by, by a few percentage points. Um, it's still doing well. Now the flip side is, um, we have, we have high collections and as people start looking at properties again, um, we're going to have, you know, nice new renovated apartments. Um, there's a lot of outdoor space with that, you know, so people are going to have the ability to, you know, to roam around. There's some balconies. So if you look at, you know, some, uh, features that people want. They want more space inside the units. Uh, we have three bedroom units on that property. We have garages, we have um, outdoor balconies. So all those things um, are going to be positives going forward, even though we've kind of had, you know, one, maybe a couple quarters um, that are a little bit more challenging in that property. And I think, you know, that illustrates another point, Ola, is as much as I believe in the space, this isn't, this isn't a risk-free 
investment, right? Things happen, things go wrong. And you may say, Hey, yeah, we're going to, we're going to make this return, but you know, things may slow down a little bit and you know, you might not make exactly the return that you expect. Um, but again, that doesn't change in my opinion, what the long-term prospects for this property are. We're in the, in year one of a five-year plan. I think we're still going to get to our five-year target, um, very nicely on this property. Yeah, no, awesome. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And obviously I can keep talking to you, um, but we're definitely, definitely dwelling into the quick rounds. These are going to be quick questions, quick answers. You ready, sir? Let's do it. All right. First question. What's the unique factor um, that separates you from the next guy or the next girl? Yeah, so I've been one, I've done a lot of different aspects of, of real estate, um, from single family to private lending. Um, to development uh, before I got into multifamily. So if, if you're out there and somebody's interested in investing, I think I can relate to a lot of different people um, that have done that. I started with with very little money of my own. And you know, I think if, if somebody you know, looks at me versus other people, um, I was a professional that was an investor that got into this space um, before I became active. Second question. I mean, I think we've kind of um, touched on this a little bit. What was the last book that you read and what was the one thing that you picked up from that book? Yeah, so I'm, I'm reading a different book now, but the last one I finished was Lifespan um, by a gentleman called uh, named David Sinclair. And what I picked up was that aging is is a disease, not something that is inevitable. And what he talks about in that book is the ability for humans to live potentially into their mid hundreds, like 150 years old. And I think if you if you think, hey, I'm gonna live to 80 or 90 years old, um, that's terrific. But what if, what if I told you you're gonna live to 120 or 150? How would you live your life differently? So I encourage everybody to think about, you know, if you were healthy and didn't have to get old, you know, how old would you want to live till? And if you were able to live that long, you know, how would you live your life differently? And what, what kind of impact could you make in the world? Fascinating. <laughs> I have to check that out. <laughs> yeah, fascinating. Um, final question. Um, you know, you've obviously got your book. We're going to talk about it in a bit. You've got your show. You've got your investments. You're doing all this cool stuff. What do you do for fun? This is fun. <laughs> now, I think it's, you know, as I, as I said, you know, I think, you know, the, the most important thing that people can do aside from finding a mentor or a coach that can, that can help them get where they want to be is, is having, you know, some self-awareness and introspection. So if you choose a path that you enjoy, that's a compliment, that gives you energy, it's, you know, it all becomes fun. I just got back from a trip mountain biking with a good friend of mine, a, a business associate in Montana. And we were riding bikes, we were going out to dinners, you know, we had, had cocktails out on this out deck looking at the mountains. Um, and we also talked a lot about business and, and different ideas and, and things that we were doing. And what I can tell you is it was all fun because I was with people that I love and that I enjoy being with and it gives me energy to do that. So yeah, I mean, I, I love I love being with my family, Ola. I have fun with my family, I have fun riding my bike, I have fun you know, looking at deals. Um, I have fun being on shows like this with wonderful people like yourself. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, no, I really, really can relate to a lot of what you said. Um, yeah, so your book, you know, Next Level Income. Yeah, you know, how can people get, get the book? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I love it. Tell us a little bit more about the book and how can folks get it? Yeah, so if you, you know, if you've been listening and 
Um, you heard a little bit about my story. The book, the book goes deeper into my story, uh, some of the challenges I've, I've faced in my life, um, and, and ultimately, you know, why and how I ended up investing in the multifamily space. And really, it all comes down to freedom, and that's our that's our mission. Ola is to empower people through education and opportunities to, to become financially independent. Um, if you want to learn a little bit more about that and kind of dive deeper into some of the things that we talked about, our website nextlevelincome.com has our podcast, our blog, all free, tons of education on there. Um, would love to love to get you on our podcast at some point, Ola, and get you up there too. And then you can also go to the book link. Um, people can get a free download of the ebook. And if you put your address, then I'll even send you a hard copy as well. We're doing a free giveaway um, through the end of the year. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Yeah, we'll get the links and put that in the show notes for our listeners. Um, so I'm sure, I don't know if you've said it too, where's the best place people can connect with you and get to know you more? How can we, how can we reach out? Absolutely. Next level income. Chris, your legend, loved our conversation. I really learned a ton myself. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Ola. Like I said, it's, it's been fun. Love doing stuff. And you, you provide so much value to your audience. I love what you're doing with the One House Pledge, all that you do to give back to the community. Um, I wish you and your listeners all the success out there. Thank you so much, Chris. Appreciate it. You may have heard the phrase, there are a thousand ways to make a thousand dollars in real estate. Well, now you can actually tune into the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast with over a thousand, believe it, or a thousand podcasts and still going. The best real estate investing advice ever show is hosted by a very good friend of mine, Joe Fellers. Joe talks to influential thought leaders. We share the best advice ever with none of the fluff. You've got to check this stuff out. So listen and subscribe at bestevershow.com. That's bestevershow.com.